Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I'm looking at every single election in Canadian history for 36 days straight as Canada goes through an election. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, please give a rating and review. I'll make sure I thank you on my social media and in a future episode of the podcast. Many call the 1878 election the first modern election in Canadian history. After being elected in 1874, the Mackenzie government began to reshape the election process in Canada. Along with the secret ballot that was extended nationwide, laws were changed so that the election took place across all the provinces on a single day. This election would also be the first one to be truly dominated by economic issues. After five years under liberal rule, Canada was due for another change in leadership. The previous five years had seen several advancements in Canadian institutions, including the establishment of the Supreme Court of Canada, but the country was also going through a terrible recession. That recession spelled the end of the Liberals, who would find themselves out of power for nearly 20 years after this election. The Conservatives under Sir John A. Macdonald had recovered from the Pacific Scandal and were eager to become the ruling party again so they could complete their promise of the railroad to British Columbia, something the Liberal Party had slowed down on over the past five years. At the same time, the Liberals were also pushing for free trade and the business elite of Toronto and Montreal were against this, which cost the party a great deal of support in those key areas. Newspapers were typically against the Liberals as well. The Montreal Gazette on September 17, 1878, the day of the election, reported in a column, quote, If the present government should be sustained at the polls and their one-sided free trade policy is continued in operation, the progress of this country towards greatness will be a slow and tedious process. If, on the other hand, the policy of the Conservative Party is endorsed by a majority of the electors of Canada, we can confidently anticipate a speedy revival of business, the rapid settlement of the country, and the building up on this North American continent of a dominion which will serve as the right arm of the British Empire." End quote. In 1876, Macdonald had reintroduced the national policy as a platform for the Conservative Party. This policy called for high tariffs on imported manufactured items to protect the manufacturing industry, a massive expansion of physical infrastructure in the country, and promoting population growth in Western Canada. It would be on this policy that Macdonald and the party would campaign on. The Conservatives campaigned on the slogan of Canada for the Canadians, and their campaign was run in such a way that it would seem that those who opposed the Conservatives were disloyal to Canada itself. The Liberals were very much against the national policy, feeling that it would set region against region. Mackenzie would state, quote, I not only believe in having Canada for the Canadians, but the United States, South America, the West Indies, and our share of the European and Australia-Asia trade. End quote. In a visit to New Brunswick on the campaign trail, Mackenzie would add regarding the national policy, quote, What is the national policy, so-called? No policy can be called thoroughly national, which proposes to protect a certain class of the community and leave all the others unprotected. And this is precisely what a system of protection means. It is a system which, in the course of a few years, 
will ensure a much larger percentage of the poverty that exists at this present time. End quote. At the time, many saw Mackenzie as overworked and tired after leading the country, while MacDonald, after five years away from the top spot, seemed to be rested and healthy, and by all accounts, sober for the most part. MacDonald would speak at many summer picnics throughout Ontario, where his natural speaking style was well received by residents. In the election, the Conservatives gained 69 seats, finishing with a majority of 134. Their percentage of the popular vote also increased heavily, with 229,151 votes for the party. The Liberals, in contrast, collapsed, losing 66 seats to finish with 63. Voter turnout was also at its lowest level in Canadian history to that point, with 69.1% of eligible voters casting a ballot. That would be the lowest turnout until 1891. British Columbia, which was nearly pushed to secede from the country over the previous five years due to the delay over the railroad, split its seats between the Liberals and the Conservatives, while in Ontario the Conservatives finished with 60 seats to the Liberals' 27. In Quebec, the Conservatives dominated, claiming 45 seats to the 17 won by the Liberals. The only place where the Liberals won more seats than the Conservatives was in New Brunswick, where they picked up nine seats to the Conservatives' four. The Ottawa Daily Citizen would report on election day, quote, The policy of Mackenzie Cartwright and Company universally condemned. The people's verdict, a splendid majority for Sir Johnny Macdonald and the national policy, end quote. The Montreal Gazette would report, quote, On the streets, crowds collected and the most intense enthusiasm prevailed. Friends who had known each other by sight previously grew fraternal under the cheering of the conservative reaction it was the order of the evening. Bands played through the streets and were followed by immense crowds singing and cheering for Sir John A. and the Conservative Party. End quote. The enthusiasm, at least according to the newspapers, was seen in Ottawa as well, where the citizen reported, quote, Last night, after the result of the election was known, over 5,000 people assembled on City Hall Square and exhibited the wildest enthusiasm. Cheer after cheer went into the air for Courier and Tice and it looked as though the entire vote of the city joined in the demonstration. End quote. MacDonald would be elected in Victoria, of all places, and the story of how that happened is an interesting one. Despite his party gaining a majority government, voters in his native Kingston had not forgotten about the scandal, and as a result, in a very rare occurrence, MacDonald's party won the election, but he lost his own seat. The Liberal Alexander Gunn defeated Macdonald 991 votes to 847. And this was no small feat. Gunn was a grocer and a new politician who had unseated not only a Prime Minister, but someone who had held the Kingston seat since Confederation. Say what you will about Macdonald, but the man was a skilled politician, and he had foreseen that this was a possibility after the previous election he had narrowly won. To secure his victory, he had himself put on the ballot in another place as well, Victoria. At the time, it was acceptable for a party leader to go into an election running in several ridings at once, but it was rare. In the 1878 election, MacDonald ran in three ridings, Kingston, Victoria, and a small riding in Manitoba. He would win in two of the ridings, of course losing in Kingston. And despite never even visiting Victoria and being the perfect example of a parachute candidate, Victoria elected MacDonald with 46.8% of the popular vote. Likely a big part of that was the hope that MacDonald, as leader, would bring the railroad in sooner rather than later. 
In the Victoria election, Macdonald ran against Amos de Cosmos, the eccentric second premier of British Columbia, who had served as an MP for Victoria since 1872. The Victoria Daily Colonist was very much behind Macdonald, calling him, quote, a great and worthy chief of the Liberal Conservative Party, end quote. At the same time, it criticized Cosmos, the man who actually lived in Victoria, as an, quote, non-entity except that of vanity. Amor de Cosmos has no friends on either side in the Dominion Parliament, end quote. The newspaper even published a mock ballot with step-by-step instructions stating, quote, Today the proper thing to do will be to place an X against the name of Sir John A. Macdonald, leaving the name of Mr. de Cosmos untouched, just as if it was not on the ballot at all, end quote. As it would turn out, thanks to Victoria being a two-member constituency, Amor de Cosmos would be re-elected to Parliament along with Macdonald. Macdonald would actually not visit Victoria until 1886, well after his time as its MP had ended. As for the national policy, it would be implemented in 1879 and would fundamentally change Canada forever. The policy was popular in Eastern Canada, but by the 1900s it was very unpopular in Western Canada and it would lead to the rise of the Progressive Party of Canada in the 1920s. By the 1930s and 1940s, it would be slowly dismantled by the Liberals, until it was gone for the most part by the 1950s. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at the 1878 election. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons, and if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Information from Dynasties and Interludes, Ottawa Citizen, Montreal Gazette, Wikipedia, and Capital Daily. Thanks. See you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.